0: It is February the sixth, twenty twelve. This is episode number one hundred and ten of Purple Mafia. I am, of course, your host, Joey Wijan, or Paladino Joey, as Dylan Richardson was so kind enough to introduce me at the beginning, who is of course the executive producer of thesportstuff.com, which is where this this show is available. It is also available on iTunes. I thank each and every one of you always for downloading and listening to this show as always. It has been absolutely fantastic. And this concludes my 20th season as a football fan. Yes, it does. My 21st Super Bowl watched, because you could say, yeah, I watched the Super Bowl for the first time in uh, 1991, where I actually, like, watched it, watched it. You know, I'm old enough to have remembered like the 80s, but I didn't really watch them back then. I wish I did. I've watched some on tape since, or YouTube and all that. Um, But, yeah, 21st Super Bowl watched, 20th football season watched, 20th season as a Minnesota Viking. All that has concluded officially. Yeah, I'm a 20-year veteran now, guys. You betcha. But this isn't about me. This is about you, the listeners. Thank you for listening always. Uh, Yeah, this is mostly today we're going to talk about the, uh, yeah, we're going to talk about the Super Bowl, which was awfully similar to the last one. Yes, it was. Awfully similar to the last time the Giants and the Patriots won. Well, (laughs) yeah, I mean, mostly we're going to start with the Super Bowl this time. Um, Okay, no, we're not. I'm just kidding, right? I'm just kidding. It's like I want to because it's so exciting. I just want to get to it. We'll get to some of the Viking Stadium and, uh, of course, uh, Chris Dolman getting into the Hall of Fame once and for all. We'll get that all out of the way first because that's when the earlier posts on the Facebook page are just have one Twitter interaction, uh, yeah, we'll talk about the stadium, mostly with the Vikings, it's the stadium, and a little bit about, uh, you know, just basically about Chris Dolman finally getting into the Hall of Fame, uh, nobody commented much on it, they just kind of posted it, or actually, no, Dan Taylor did comment on it, excuse me about that, Dan, Dan Taylor, of course, from the UK, one of the great listeners of this show, thank you very much, Mr. Dan, um, Yep, that's pretty much the idea, we're going to get to some of those posts on, well, all the posts, because there are too many right now, being the Vikings are kind of inactive and, yeah, you know, some of you fans may have kind of been taking a break from the page, I miss you out there, Chris Tucker making a return, got it like that, always, always has great stuff to say, um, so yeah, we're going to start off with the Viking stuff, <laughs> it's like, I want to just get to the Super Bowl right away, but no, we'll get to the Viking stuff, of course, it's very, very important, um. Of course, you know, the stadium. What's more important than the stadium right now? So that's, I guess, uh, I guess that's where we're going to start. <laughs> it's like, eh, you know, it's kind of like you could go either way, but yeah, I'll start with the stadium. Um, I posted a very large rant, maybe not a rant, but whatever it is, kind of like a call to arms for Viking fans out there. You can check it out. It's uh, facebook.com forward slash purple mafia show. Facebook.com forward slash Purple Mafia Show. Do go and join that page. It'd be very nice if you could join it. You visit it and then click the like button when you're on the page. Yeah, it's been a little quiet on there of late. and That's unfortunate, but I guess that's what happens when there's little to no buzz surrounding your football team. I guess that's what happens. Yeah, it, it sucks. But yeah, check out that rant if you want to. It's mostly saying, hey... To paraphrase, it's mostly, you know, a generalized breakdown, whatever. The politicians just come up with one excuse after another. One excuse after another. It's unbelievable. One excuse after another. Um, it's just, you know, and I'm really, really sick of it. I, I ranted a bit on the last show about it as well. It's almost like in this town, the fan base, they're not the fan base, the people in general... I hate the anti-sports attitude. I really hate it. I kind of go into that as well. It's like, oh, who cares if they leave town? you got plenty of other stuff to do. It's like, I don't like that attitude. Like, what if I... You know, it's like, I'd like to say that about your interests, too. You know? Yeah, well, I don't care if you lose your interests. You know, your interests can in go rot in hell. There's plenty of other stuff to do. You know, I don't like that attitude. I just don't. It's like, they want to downgrade it. They want to treat you like you're a retard. It's just it's, it's terrible, I think it's rude, I mean, it's not fair to, to act like that, it's arrogant, it's stupid, and quite frankly, those people can, you know, <laughs> can shut up, I, I want those people to shut up, honestly, those type of people, and that includes people in, in the political offices as well, they drive me crazy, they drive me crazy with that attitude, I mean, wait, yep, the Timberwolves, the was almost left in 94. Of course, the North Stars left because it's just politicians and yeah, and business businesses as well just would not cooperate. They just would not cooperate, and it kept going on for several years. I mean, it didn't just happen in 93 because Norm Green bought the team and just took off. No, 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 no. Huh. and Marv, which were a very, which were kind of well, which were generous, friendly people like the Wilfs, Ziggy and Mark Wilf, Harv and Marv. Um, Gund Arena, yeah, or Gund Arena, yeah, the Gunds, Gunds, not Guns, but Guns, it almost sounds like Guns, but uh, who are from Cleveland, Ohio, they owned the North Stars for a long time. They were generous, friendly, they enjoyed it, but they finally just sold the team to, unfortunately, a guy named Norm Green, but uh, we'll get to, well, I mean, the Norm Green part, we'll just not worry about that part right now. <laughs> it's more importantly, the focus here is uh, how the politicians and such just kind of said, They just kept trying to call the Guns Bluff and all that stuff about we need a new, you know, we need a new arena. You know, the the Met Center is not really profitable. It's too small. It's, there's no, there's really no, there's almost no revenue coming from this building. And it's like, you don't really like to have that attitude all the time. You get sick of owners always wanting new stadiums and new arenas and new God knows what. Um, But at the same time, if the team is losing money dramatically because it's just like there's no revenue coming out of the building well can you blame them a little bit i don't know and it's just they wanted they i mean they couldn't even move into the target center they just wanted to move into the target center which would have really which wouldn't have cost the taxpayers anything i know that much but politicians and businessmen and all that stuff just could not cooperate they just refused to cooperate it was ridiculous that's the Harv and Marv thing with the Wolves. They kind of contributed to a possibility of losing. You know, the Harv and Marv, they're villains too because they almost cost the, or they did cost the North Stars because they would, just would not work with them in the Target Center. They just would not work with them. And then they, all, they sold the Timberwolves. They tried to sell the Timberwolves to a group that would have moved them to New Orleans, Louisiana. That's kind of far from Minnesota, isn't it? Yeah, uh-huh. So Marv and Harv were definitely villains in that deal. The founders of the team basically gave Minnesota the middle finger there in a big way, a double. But at the same time, the politicians have been a problem from day one, pretty much, with every sports franchise in the history of this town. Yes, they have. Yes, they have. Ladies and gentlemen, the Minneapolis Lakers played... And the armory, and uh, it was at Minneapolis Auditorium or something that would only seat like four or five thousand people? It was freezing cold. The floor was basically as hard as a rock. <laughs> and it's like they just refused the city, the city and state and all that. Mostly the city, especially, refused to uh, work with the the Minneapolis Lakers to try to keep them in town. And then when you get Los Angeles, the city of Angels. Colin, <laughs> basically, you know, say, hey, come on over here, we have this for you. Well, we all know who the L.A. Lakers are, don't we? We all know how many championships the Minneapolis Lakers won in Minnesota. They won five, folks. Well, no, we don't all know, but laugh for your information, Viking fans and f- other sports fans alike, the Minneapolis Lakers won five championships here, folks. How many championships did the Vikings have? None. Twins? Well, they finally got two in 87 and 91, you know, the <laughs> the North Stars never won a Stanley Cup, the Wild, of course, haven't, the Wolves haven't come close, well, maybe once, but, yeah, oh three, oh four, 4 but, um, five, folks, five. Five. <laughs> yeah, and they had a rookie named Elgin Baylor, too, on that roster, and like a year or two later, Jerry West showed up, Will Chamberlain, now, would they have, I mean, Jerry West was drafted to the Lakers, though, but would have, will Will Chamberlain have come to Minneapolis, or Kareem, and all that? I don't know. I don't know, but if Jerry West did, they probably would have gotten Kareem and and Magic because he was the general manager. Just showing you, (laughs) I'm kind of going a little bit too far with this, but obviously you know what the point is. You understand what the point is. You don't need me to say, get to the point. Well, what do you think the point is? We, We just refuse to work with teams to keep them in town, and they move, and they leave. Minneapolis freaking Lakers, folks that's how far back this goes. It goes back to the Minneapolis Lakers, not just the North Stars, and almost losing the Wolves, and the Twins was kind of, you know, it was kind of, eh. They just had nowhere to go. So Minneapolis was calling their bluff. Minneapolis got lucky, though, that the Twins had nowhere to go. They had nowhere to go. That Quad City stuff from North Carolina was a was a load of BS. You know, that was lame. And, um, so Carl had really had no weapon, but the city of LA is calling again. Yeah, the city of LA is calling again. They want another purple and gold team to play in their city. <laughs> I, I I couldn't handle that. I I just could not handle the possibility of this team leaving. I couldn't. And yeah, this would be this would be a Chicago Bears show if they did. It would. Uh, <laughs> it may be a little bit more difficult dealing with the Chicago market than the Minneapolis market, but hey, it's bigger. <laughs> and no, I'm I'm just saying, I'm just throwing that out there. I don't think they're gonna move. I don't. That would be the most stupid, imbecilic failure in the history of Minneapolis. It would, honestly, it would. Outside of outside of giving away uh, military secrets to the to the enemy of like the United States or something, whoever it would be, about you know where to hit Minneapolis, that would be about the that, you know that that would be worse. Yes, but I'm just saying. This would be a, a financially uh, 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 the attraction to the town, that type of deal. Uh, tourist, all that stuff. Financially attraction, all that stuff. I'm not using the words very well, but you know what I'm getting at. It would be a historic failure. It would. It really would. And um, Well, now we're down to the dome site mostly, and sites that are close to the dome it sounds like they're trying to kind of get things going. They're trying to rally support for the stadium. I hope, I just hope it works out. I do. Some people just have the worst attitude ever. Others, it's like they want to do this, they want to do that. The Vikings don't want to give up $50 million by playing in the uh, TCF Bank Stadium for, was it, three to, five, three to five years or so. I can understand that, though. Even that gets a little bit frustrating. But then again, as all of you know, it's easy to tell somebody, "Ha, hey, give up 50 million. Give up the 50." Yeah, SOBs, well, they're giving up 300 or 400, 390 I think in the plan, right? That's a lot of money, man. 3 they're giving up 390. They're not exactly getting a free for all here. You do have to remember that. Yeah, they would make more money. And yeah, that's where the 50 million would pay for itself later. I can understand that in some ways, but at the same time, 50 million is what? That's right, it's $50 million. So, it's one of those deals. And of course, the thing would benefit the city a lot more than people want to admit it would. You think it wouldn't? The Twins are one thing. They go from a 94-win team to a 99-loss team within a year <laughs> in Target Field. But, but, but the building still sold fairly well. It didn't sell as well as it did the first year, but the team sucked hardcore. And, well, the reality is, (laughs) the whole old pig with lipstick is still a pig. You know, if the team sucks, it doesn't matter what building they play in (laughs) all the time. They still are a sucky team. (laughs) It's just one of those deals. But I'm just saying, it's still sold significantly better than the Dome. Significantly better. You go there to enjoy the stadium more than the team. In the case of the Vikings, well, there's so many Viking fans out there. Uh, I think that thing would have no problem selling out. I mean, even the Dome has no problem selling out. So I would think a new Viking Stadium would be a wonderful deal for everybody involved. Lots of corporations, small businesses, uh, and small businesses alike. That's the deal, though. Um, Yeah, we're looking mostly, we're looking to try to build in areas close to the Metrodome site to try to avoid the Target Center thing. The Basilica thing has completely, all but completely disappeared uh the site near the target center and target field of course you know t- any if you target either way they're in the same spot basically that's gone the farmer's market is pretty much no uh, yeah the farmer's market thing uh, we don't hear about that anymore arden hills still exists but extremely unlikely that's but uh, the vikings highly prefer that then they could be like foxborough with the new england patriots which is a fantastic deal but uh for the vikings it would be a fantastic uh you know, they would be the stars in town rather than just kind of mm, part of Minneapolis. Yeah, well, you know, Minneapolis is better for more people, I think. But Arden Hills, they would be like they'd be able to have all the parking and stuff available, everything. And Arden Hills really isn't as far away from mm, far away as some people might think. It's not in Michigan. <laughs> it's 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 a different Arden Hills. <laughs> but um, we'll just have to see what happens. They're talking about the job crisis, all that stuff in there as well. That would help it a little bit. I mean, three to five years of construction and such probably would create more jobs as well. We'll see. I mean, I think I'm probably talking a little bit too much about the stadium, but that's but that's what we're here for, right? That's very much what we're here for. Uh, yeah, I made a similar rant on, on uh, Twitter, the Twitter account as well. I only got one response, but it was a nice response. Michelle Baker, TM Baker, 19 says, that's right, end of it, point blank, when I said, yeah, second tired of the excuses, just get the damn thing done, basically is what I said, and that's how she responded, yeah, yep, Uh, twitter.com forward slash Purple Mafia Show is the Twitter account for Purple Mafia, the Purple Mafia Show, or whatever you want to call it, and there it is, that's it, (laughs) that's the end of the Twitter interactions, because I really wasn't as active on Twitter as some of you may have liked us. Sebastian Balls, here will stick with the stadium topic for a little bit longer, he says F, you know, basically F Minnesota politicians, he doesn't spell out the whole word, but half of it, he said F Minnesota politicians, we can't even keep find a way to keep our team keep a team in our state, and yeah North Stars, Lakers you know North Stars won a Stanley Cup in uh, Dallas, yeah, they, yeah they did not long after with a lot of the same players, yes they did I mean, yeah, they're, they haven't come close since, but I'm just saying they did win a championship, and it would have been nice to see the Minnesota North Stars finally win a Stanley Cup. That would have been really emotional. The Lakers won, uh, well, they won five here, and they have 16 now, so do the math. They've won 11 in Los Angeles. Would they have won 11 here? I doubt it, but I think they would have won some more, and I think they would have had a very rich, rich, rich history, which is something the Minnesota Timberwolves do not. But the good news with the Minnesota Timberwolves is they are improving, as you all know. Sebastian Ball says, no news. I feel like posting. And it's like, yep, it seems like the Dome site thing is warming up a little. Sebastian Ball's responds with, good. (laughs) Sebastian again says, this state is depressing. Can't even cooperate on a new stadium like WTF. (laughs) We all know what WTF means, I hope. Yep. And yeah, folks, I'm getting worried. I am getting worried. I posted, I, that's how I responded to him with, and, and I am getting worried. How can you not get worried? Because the lease is up. I mean, the lease is up. And the Baltimore Ravens used to be the Cleveland Browns, folks. Yeah. And the Baltimore Colts, or excuse me, the Indianapolis Colts used to be the Baltimore Colts. And it was like the lease was up, and come March, it was like, adios bye-bye. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm not saying the Vikings are leaving town within the next month or two. But at the same time, don't be surprised. (laughs) Stranger things and worse things have happened. And uh, (laughs) they need to get this stadium done. I mean, (laughs) the Vikings do have places to go. The Twins did not, and they kept signing one-year leases every year. You know, they basically played without a lease in the Dome for about four or five years. I mean, their lease was up in, I I don't remember, was, was it 2002 or 2000, I can't remember, 2005. It was something like that. But it was up for a long time. It it was. Now why they signed for such a short lease, I have no idea. Maybe the dome is a better football stadium, and yes, it is. Maybe that's why they did, because the dome was actually built more for football. It's more of an oval shape than a triangle type triangle with a with or more like a hot air balloon shape. That's pretty much what a baseball field's supposed to be shaped like, I guess, in a way. I don't know. I'm not. I don't know if I'm saying it right. But you get the idea, in a a sense. Kind of like a hot air balloon. (laughs) Kind (laughs) of. But, um, yeah, football is more of a big oval. That's how the stadiums are usually for football. And the Dome is kind of more built that way. A big oval or big round deal. Um, Whereas the Mets stadium was, was a baseball stadium. It was not a football stadium. So, yeah, the seating was screwed up for football. And then with the Dome, the stadium was screwed up for baseball. Seats just not facing the right direction for that sport to be to really, uh, for the fans the fans uh, to get maximum uh, satisfaction out of the building. There we go. There you go. Finally getting the right words there. Thank you very much. I'm kind of that's my job is to have the right words and still kind of bleeping that up. (laughs) But uh, that's pretty much where it is at the stadium. Folks. If you'd like to call in and shout out, comment, question, rant something, hey the next show will be State of the Vikings Address, this is a this is a early uh, message for all you out there, the next show will be the State of the Vikings Address 2012 so, get your voices ready get those cell phones on because most cell phones have a long distance plan, doesn't matter where you're from unless it's like, oh, out of the country I don't know if you can do it, I, I don't know it depends But uh, it is a a Skype number, 209-736-7877, 209-736-7877, rant about the stadium, uh, talk about the draft, talk about the current state of the team, talk about free agency, talk about Leslie Frazier, talk about any Galdron thing there is, talk about Peyton Manning, maybe Peyton Manning's the next aging star quarterback that's going to come here, nah, we're not a competitive team right now, we didn't finish 10-6 for the division title the previous year, where all we needed was a good quarterback. It's not the same situation as it was in '09. Damn it. <laughs> but um, yeah, Peyton Manning's going to be that guy for somebody out there, I think. I, I don't think he's going back to Indianapolis. If the guy can stay healthy, because it, like I said in episode 109, <laughs> the words neck and injury, and also the words neck and surgery, don't go together very well, do they? No, they don't. When it comes to professional sports, or really anything, neck injury, neck surgery, yikes, scary. But if he's healthy and ready to go, watch out. Oh, and we're going to be talking about Manning very soon. Well, we're going to be talking about Manning. Yeah, it's a 2-1 to victory so far. 2-1 to lead for Eli. Oh, Eli is leading the Super Bowl ring uh, race for the Manning brothers. Unfortunately, their father wound up with zero because he played most of his career with the Saints. Yeah. (laughs) Poor guy. Yep. old Archie. Anyhow, you get the idea. Do call into the number. Once again, 209-736-7877. You could talk about the Super Bowl as well. But no, this is an early thing. Yep, you can have a late Super Bowl call. I, I don't care. I'm mostly talking about it on this show, but if you want to comment on it, you're more than welcome to do that. I'm not mad if it's an old topic. I'm not one of those show hosts that's going to go like, "Uh, that's old, like, get out of here. No, it's not old, because it's not old until until training camp. (laughs) Quite frankly, it's not. You're more than welcome to call in about pretty much anything regarding the 2011 season, if you'd like to. So now we'll get to the final Vikings topic for the time being, Well, Chris Carter did not get into the Hall of Fame. Chris Coleman did. That's right. Dan Taylor says disappointed for Chris Carter, but happy to see Chris Dolman. So another Chris got in. Chris Dolman going into the Hall of Fame, more than deserving. You betcha. Chris Dolman, one of the greatest uh, all-time defensive tackles to ever play. One of the one of the one of the sack leaders of all time. A top ten sack leader of all time. The Vikings have several like top 20, top 50, whatever sack leaders in this league. They have several. Um, the Minnesota Vikings are, its you know, how every team kind of has a specialty, right? Every team has a specialty at a certain position over the years. Like the Pittsburgh Steelers, it's in general their defense. The Baltimore Ravens, I would say it's been their uh, linebackers and their secondary, um, you know, that have won their championship. Dallas Cowboys, it was the offensive line. San Francisco 49ers, the quarterbacks. And you could say receivers as well with San Francisco. <laughs> Oof, they had some, they've had some good ones. But I think it's mostly the quarterbacks, though. Montana and Young, unbelievable. Um, but, you know, it's one of those deals. You know, the, the Colts, Johnny Unitas and Peyton Manning. The Packers, Brett Favre, and Aaron Rodgers. See, certain teams, and Bart Starr, certain teams have a great history at a certain position. It's like I just kind of keep going, don't I? <laughs> But it's one of those things. You, you do keep going because it's just certain teams constantly have talent at that position. You could kind of say the Oakland slash L.A. Raiders have have had great running backs over the years, over many, many years, over the course of time. You can. Absolutely. Well, with the Minnesota Vikings, uh, the New York Giants, it's their defense in general as well. Linebackers and defensive line. For the Minnesota Vikings, it's the defensive line, historically. Now, it was frustratingly mediocre and borderline bad in the late 90s when the Vikings were really good. It was probably the weakness of the team outside of John Randall. But historically, the defensive line is what the Minnesota Vikings have been all about. The nickname the Purple People Eaters is because of the defensive line. You had Alan Page who was in the Hall of Fame. Carl Eller, Hall of Fame, of course. Jim Marshall. I think he finally got in, if I remember correctly. (laughs) Yep, Jim Marshall, of course. Yep, he's a Hall of Famer. Um, Gary Larson did not get in, but he was more of a run-stopper. But, hey, Purple People Eater. Purple People, not Purple Quarterback Eaters. Purple People Eaters. Get get it done. Then you had Chris Dolman. John Randall. Henry Thomas. Jared Allen. <laughs> yeah, Brian Robinson. Oh no? yeah, Brian Robinson's good. Not as good as those other guys. John Randall is in the Hall of Fame, folks. As you do remember, Chris Dolman is in the Hall of Fame. Remember the old days? Yeah. Remember the ninety the uh ninety two Vikings, the defense they had. Ninety three, I believe Chris Dolman was still here if I remember correctly. Yeah, I'm pretty sure he was, right? Chris Dolman, Henry Thomas, and John Randall all at the same time, man. That's another of People eaters right there, quite frankly. Didn't get us to the Super Bowl because we didn't have, we were lacking in several other positions at the time. We didn't have any running game at all. Quarterback was a different guy every year, which was getting retarded. That's kind of been the hit. That's the history of the Vikings as well. Always rushing to put in the Band Aid guy at quarterback or the Band Aid the Band-Aid star which I've been encouraging a guy from work to call in about that. He's really, he's a lot to say about that. I'm going to kind of save that topic for when he does call in. It's pretty, it's a doozy, but the Vikings always try to have that one-man deal to try to go for the one-year wonder, and it never works. It's never worked yet. But topic, back to where it belongs, the defensive line is the Vikings' history. And yeah, you have Alan Page, that's one. Marshall, two. Eller, three. Um... Randall 4, Chris Dolman 5. That's five defensive linemen in the Hall of Fame for the Minnesota Vikings. That is quite a few. Jared Allen most likely will be in the Hall of Fame as well if he stays healthy. He most likely will be there as well. You had Ray Edwards who was really good. Not a superstar. Not a, not a star, but but very, very good. A 8-10 sack type of guy. You had Henry Thomas who's not in the Hall of Fame but was very good for many years. And you had so many talented guys at the defensive line and Chris Dolman's in. And uh, he was one of the best pass rushers I ever saw. Even in his old age when he came here in 1999. It was so cool to see him finish his career here in 99. He came in and he got about, I forget if he got eight, nine sacks in just a, in a very short time. It was very cool. Very cool. Chris Dolman, number 56. We love you. Great, great career. Good job. Um, of course, he also played with the 49ers and the, uh, well, fed with the Falcons, but played better with the 49ers after that. He was on that very talented 1997 49ers team that could have gone to the Super Bowl. They were 13-3 and with that great defense. It was good stuff. It sure was. So with that said, with that two-word deal, Super Bowl. Yeah, let's get to the Super Bowl. We'll be right back right after this. And we are back here on Purple Mafia, episode number 110, which is a reminder for all iPod users and other MP3 players like the Microsoft Zoom and such. Yep, MP3 players can go anything from like 300 bucks with the original iPod Classic. Well, not the original, but you know, the iPod Classic or like really upgraded iPod Touch all the way down to 12 or 13 bucks that you could get at Micro Center, Bus Buy, whatever. Every three players can can be a price range of anything and everything. Welcome back to the show. So, yeah, it's been about 40 or 50 degrees this week, hasn't it? Yep, it's been about 40 or 50 degrees. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. this week, it's been a really warm winter, and, um, yeah. Yeah, the days are getting longer. Yeah, you know, the daylight, it's getting longer. hmm You know, unsweet iced tea from McDonald's tastes really good, too. And no, that's not an advertisement, but yeah, it tastes good. Oh, that's, oh, wait, I was going to get to something, but I forgot. Ah, shoot, you know, it's really bad when you forget what you're going to talk about when you have a show to do. Oh, yeah, the the, the, the Giants and the Patriots played yesterday. That's right, yeah. Yeah, that's kind of hard to remember though because you know it's just not that imp- not, not that exciting. It's not really nobody watched it. It's like who cares? Okay. Yeah, it was pretty uh, pretty good. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, there was a game yesterday, wasn't there? And we've been waiting. To t- I've been waiting to talk about this. Like I've been like chomping at the bit since I don't know since the game ended. Like shucks, I should have rec- recorded it immediately after the game, but I wasn't even at home. Shout-out to Paul Tooner vs. Canif, who I hope is listening, but uh, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I hope so. Somebody's out there listening, right? If you're out there listening, wave to me. Oh, wait, I can't see you. Crap. But, yeah, you get the idea. That was a hell of a football game, folks. But, ladies and gentlemen, man, man, man. Well, I make my official statement on the Purple Mafia uh page on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash show. I guess I'll read it. I might as well read it, but it's there for you to, to read as well. My official statement was, I was disappointed in the outcome, I was, but, but my prediction was pretty close to dead on, being it came to the last play with the Giants winning. Really unhappy with the Patriots' drop passes and inability to recover three, that's right, three giant fumbles. Unacceptable. With that said, the Patriots remain my second favorite team. I hope this is not their last hurrah in the Super Bowl, in the Tom Brady era. Yeah. Chris Tucker makes the reply. I'll get to that in one second, but that pretty much sums it up, doesn't it? In fact, I almost wish I didn't read it. (laughs) Yeah, because it kind of spoils what I'm getting to. But granted, you already know what I'm going to get to, because a lot of you probably saw it. Man, man, man. I'm telling you. And yeah, most of you that have been listening to this show, you know, you know where my heart was last night. My head was with the Giants. My head was with the Giants since they defeated the Packers. I figured, you know what, I, I really did think this. That Super Bowl forty-six, in a lot of ways, was played about three weeks ago in Lambeau Field. In a lot of ways, I think it was. Really. I'm saying that with full sincerity. And the Giants kicked, the, kicked their butts. But the Patriots are that good. They made it, clo- they made it a lot closer, and so were the 49ers. But as a, <laughs> a guy at work who's from Boston, he's from Boston, and he said the stars were just lined up for the Giants. Just sometimes the stars are lined up. And yeah, you know what? The stars were lined up for the Giants in so many ways. In so many ways. Williams, Kyle Williams of the 49ers, doesn't fumble once, he fumbles twice, you know, it's one thing that the Giants went into Lambeau Field and kicked the living you know what out of the Green Bay Packers, knocked them into submission, it wasn't Ice Bowl 3 because Ice Bowl 2 was uh, about 0 degrees, unbelievably cold. I mean, and then you got an NFC Championship game or second-round game in Green Bay. It's usually awfully cold, right? Because it's January. It's the coldest time of the year. This year has just been a weird winter. It's been warm. But regardless, <laughs> the Giants kicked the crap out of them no matter what. They beat them every time. The Giants barely beat the Packers last time, but they kicked the crap out of them this time. And yeah, the stars were lined up for the Giants in so many ways. Kyle Williams fumbles three tire or fumbles two kickoffs in the in the 49ers and Giants game. Kind of like reviewing what I said last week, but you get the idea. That led to ten points in a game that went to overtime. Ten points in a game that went to overtime. Ten points in a game that went to overtime. That do you think that made a difference in the in the outcome? Yeah. This game was so eerily similar. So eerily similar to four years ago. Such a tight played game. So tight. Everybody's colors were about three sizes smaller in the the game. Except for one guy. One guy. One single player on that football field. And he was the guy that got the Corvette last night. He's the guy whose dad played for the New Orleans Saints. His brother played for the Indianapolis Colts. He's the guy that went into Green Bay, into Lambeau Field, on a frozen, frozen, frozen night four years ago, and defeated the 13 and three game day Packers in Brett Favre's what turned out to be Brett Favre's last game for that team, and what looked like a, a epic rematch of Super Bowl, uh, the Super Bowl in 1996. Think of how un- unbelievable that would have been. Brett Favre and Tom Brady, undefeated Saints or undefeated Patriots versus a 13 and 3 packer team that would have been unbelievable. But no, Tom Brady. It's it's Tom Brady, man. Took out those Dallas Cowboys like they were nothing that year. In '07, in 2007 Giants. There was the guy that constantly was was you know was was really looked as really he was the number 1 overall pick. Eli Manning really was the number 1 overall pick, huh? Well, he throws touchdowns and gets lots of yards, but he throws a lot of interceptions, and it's like, eh, I don't know. And the Giants were just 10-6. and 6, Just a 10-6 and 6 team. 9-7, and 10-6. Some people even went as far to say Tom Coughlin is the worst coach in the NFL. Ladies and gentlemen, Tom Coughlin is far from it. And, and I liked him when he was with the Jacksonville Jaguars. But that one man, Eli Manning, is the most unflappable quarterback that I've seen since uh, Montana. Even more than Tom Brady. Yeah, I mean, Tom Brady went against those St. Louis Rams in 2001 as a rookie. Well, he was really not a rookie, but a first-year starter, we'll say. Um, And marched down that field. Led that team to victory. Final drive of the game. Minimal time left young man with a sore ankle took that ball, down, took that team down the field and led them to championship victory but Eli Manning has done it twice in the Super Bowl now, twice uh, Tom Brady did it in more than once in the Super Bowl as well but right now Eli Manning is, is about as unflappable as they get he is <laughs> he is unflappable he just flat gets it done when it matters more than anybody Tom Brady did not lead his team down the field last night but you can argue, though, that his teammates let him down. They let him down. The offensive line gave up way too many... Uh, he, they, they gave they gave up that the defensive... The offensive line was beaten by the Giants' defensive line several times. Yes, it was. So many times. Brandon Jacobs got through the Patriots' defensive line so many times on those key first downs throughout the game. But, folks, well, this game was so similar to 2007, I can't even believe, in so many ways. But most of all, most of all, above everything, we'll get to some of the similarities in a little bit here. Because I'm not going to turn that into, like, a game review, like, uh, this is more of an emotional game review. It's not one where it's like, well, the Patriots did this in this quarter, and the Giants did that in this quarter. No. The Giants did lead nine to nothing at one point, the safety and the touchdown and all that good stuff. But we'll worry about that in a minute. I we'll mean, but yeah, that's all you need to know in terms of you know game reviews that way. Like you're reading a book. I'm not going to do that anymore like I used to. Um, but the New England Patriots are looking a lot more similar. Lot, I mean, more and more similar. The past the past two Super Bowls they've been in, and in the postseason as well, the general postseason. They're starting to look more and more like the Boston Red Sox before they started winning the World Series in 04 and 07. They're starting to look like the Boston Red Sox. Where they'll get there. Oh, they'll get there. But for whatever reason, they'll choke. The Patriots have become chokers, folks. They have. Tom Brady choked in 07, I think. Honest to God, I think Tom Brady choked in 07... And uh, guys like Asante Samuel, who had the ball in his stomach, in his chest, that would have ended the game. Multiple times in 07, the Patriots could have ended the game with one play, one bleepin' play, and they didn't. Last night, the same thing happened multiple times. The New York Giants fumbled not once, not twice, but three times. The first Giants fumble, oh my God, the Patriots did recover this one, and it was what, at the 10-yard line? At the 10 bleeping yard line in a game that's so close, every single detail like this, details like this, any type of turnover can change the entire outcome in a second. But ladies and gentlemen, for whatever reason, a team that went 13-3 and and is looked on as the most disciplined, most the best coached team in football the last 10 years, 20 years, whatever, they resembled the Minnesota Vikings and the Boston Red Sox in the big games. I mean, only the Vikings and Red Boston Red Sox or Chicago Cubs, teams like this, can pull off this type of BS. What happened to the Vikings in '09 when Brett Favre was marching that team down the field in an improbable, well, probable yet improbable road victory over the New Orleans Saints? Despite all the fumbles, all the screw-ups earlier, here they come, boy, lay baby. Here they come. They're already in field goal range. Maybe get a couple more yards. Maybe even get a first down. But there's the yellow flag. The ref's putting two hands on his head. What does that mean? Too many men in the field. There's supposed to be 11, but now there's 12. Well, we always say the 12th man is the fans, right? <laughs> Unfortunately, no, the 12th man was on the field for the Vikings. And that. That's, that's what led Brett Favre to panic and throw the his stupid interception. The Patriots recover a fumble that would have changed the entire outcome of the game right here. And this is just one instance, folks, that would have changed the entire outcome. There were at least four or five instances that would have won the game for the Patriots. They would have won the game. Or most likely they would have won. It doesn't guarantee them a victory, but I'm telling you, <laughs> their chances of winning were sky high had they completed one of these. But they found they recovered the ball on the ten, and there were too many men in the field. Too many men in the field, and it happened two other times in this game, ladies and gentlemen, that the New York Giants fumbled in their territory. In their territory. And the Patriots were nowhere near the ball. Call it luck. Say the Stas were on the Giants' side, and they may have been, being the direction the ball just happened to bounce. But the Patriots' defender knocked the ball out. You would think they'd want to knock it towards a teammate, possibly. But no, it was literally miles away from other, from other Patriot players, in some cases. The, the, the late one, though? was right in one of the Patriot defenders' hands. I can't remember exactly which one, and I'm—I may have been, I don't know if it was Will Ford or who, landed right on it, but they were too, they were too aggressive, and the ball popped right out and right back to the Giants. The Patriots forced three fumbles in the game and recovered none. They recovered none. <laughs> the New Orleans Saints forced, like, what, six fumbles by the Vikings in the game two years ago, two years ago three years ago now? and they recovered. Four of them. Changed the outcome of the game. Sure did. One less of those fumbles may have changed the outcome of the game. But look at that. Three fumbles. Three fumbles. Not recovered by the Patriots. Gronkowski's ankle injury had to have cost the Patriots, and everybody knows that. That's really unfortunate. That Players of that magnitude tend to sometimes get injured at the just the most inopportune time possible. It sucks, and I do think that made a difference. Uh, a deep pass that would have been to Gronikowski, and this is not the one at the end of the game, but this was, I believe, in the second half. A deep pass, uh, a risky pass, thrown kind of into thrown into coverage, was intercepted. I don't know what the heck was going on there, other than well, if Gronikowski was healthy, he may have been able to move around the defender and make the catch. I don't know. But that was a costly mistake. The Patriots offense is doing good, and they kind of got a little greedy. They gambled a little bit there and lost. But there were so many dumb penalties by the Patriots, so many dropped passes by the Patriots in this game, that I can't even tell you what the hell was going on. They absolutely resembled the Vikings, Boston Red Sox, and Chicago Cubs in this game, in the big games and I'm not trying to rip on the Vikings and rub it in your faces, but you all that are listening to me right now know exactly what I'm talking about. I mean, only the Vikings could fumble two kickoffs against the New York Giants in 2000 to start the game. Only the Vikings could pull that off. The first two kickoffs, before they even, really have, a, before they even have an offensive series, they're down 14-0. to Ball game. Only the Vikings could fumble six times against the New Orleans Saints. (laughs) Only the Vikings could have a missed field goal that would have ended the game against the Atlanta Falcons. Only the Vikings. You know, it seems like it. I know you want to say that, but I mean, yeah, other teams blow it too, and the Patriots looked exactly like that. You go from great to completely undisciplined. Mistake after mistake after mistake. Guys not running the right routes, yeah, players missing, uh, missing tackles, horrible penalties at horrible times. That would have changed everything. It's like here we go, you get a first down. Nope, holding. Here we go, here's a first down. Nope. <laughs> it's just one thing after another, one horrible mistake after another. Uh, the Gi- the Giants look like they were going to be stopped. Patriots leading by two, third and ten. Up, oh, offsides. It's now third and two. Good job. <laughs> it went to, uh, and now it's third and two, and then Jacobs ran right through. Brandon Jacobs ran right through. I may be bouncing around a little bit, but it's like, who cares? I don't need to organize the whole game exactly perfect. <laughs> it's just one detail after another. You know, that's what matters. It's the one details after another. Unbelievable. But the drop passes, in the end, were the undoing almost more than anything else. Patriots up by two points. What looked like a perfect pass. It was a perfect spiral. Maybe a little bit overthrown, but not much. Still right on the hands of Wes Walker, and it bounced right out. Wes Walker catches that pass. The Patriots probably win the game, folks. Probably. No guarantee, but probably. Because if they do score a touchdown, I mean, you get a first down on the 20-yard line. The Giants' 20-yard line, of course. Patriots, the way their offense was clicking at that time, more than likely would have scored. And if they did score, it would have been a nine-point game with two minutes or less left. That's it. It's over. But just like the Vikings in 98, it didn't happen. (laughs) A guy who was so dependable all year put up stats that would just... put up stats that would impress anybody. Anybody. He doesn't make the catch when it matters most. Again, there it is again. It was a la Gary Anderson. Like, are you kidding me? He didn't catch it? Shit. <laughs> okay, I used a word that I almost never used on here, but I said it. And I'm sure that's what every Patriot was saying. Okay, we're still up by two, and our defense has been playing pretty good. We've kept the Giants down for a long time. That's good. But they sure didn't stop them then. <laughs> no, they didn't. Oh, they pinned those Patriots down on the 10-yard line. But, ladies and gentlemen, we all know who the quarterback of the Giants is. He's not Joe Montana. He's not Steve Young or Peyton Manning or, or Brett Favre or anybody like that or Elway. But Eli Manning has... <laughs> the, blood that, the blood that runs through the veins of Eli Manning is ice cold. It's Antarctic cold, ladies and gentlemen, in this moment. And here we go. The true deja vu to 2007. Patriots up by a small margin. There's about three and a half freaking minutes. Uh, more than three and a half minutes left. Boy, does this seem eerily familiar, doesn't it? Boy, why does that, why does that seem so familiar? That's weird. <laughs> the stars were on the side of the Giants, folks. In so many ways. Or was it just Eli Manning is that good when he needs when he needs to be? He could be uh, mediocre at times, but no, he really isn't, is he? <laughs> in the mainframe of things, he isn't. You can have the greatest season ever and suck in the biggest game. You could have a decent season and be ice-cold clutch, assassin clutch when it matters most, and that's what Eli Manning is. Now, Manningham made one mistake after another during this game. Made some decent catches, but also made plays that screwed the game, that screwed the Giants up on multiple occasions. Chris Collinsworth mm, made it known several times during the game, like, "What is he doing? He's literally like screwing it up for Eli Manning here. He's, he's making Eli Manning basically throw the ball out of bounds, make it an uncatchable pass with the way he's running his routes. He's not even staying." He's not giving a cushion for Eli Manning to throw the ball so Manningham, Mario Manningham can make a sideline catch. He's too close to the sidelines so Eli Manning can't even get it to him properly. Uh, Collinsworth is making that uh, making that known several times. But then Eli Manning on the very first play just hoists the ball up in the air and it's like you got to be kidding me. Manningham pulled it down and yeah both feet were down. Yes they were. In a lot of ways, I want to call it luck, because I don't think Mario Manningham is that good. I really don't, and I don't think anybody does. But I guess the stars were on the side side of the Giants. Again, you know, you could keep saying it, because what happened in 07, David Tyree? It's like literally Angels held that ball on Tyree's helmet in that game. I mean, it's unexplained. It's unexplained how that ball managed to stay off the ground and in the hands of Ty- David Tyree at that moment, which led to the game-ending touchdown for the uh, New York Giants, which led to no uh, time left for the Patriots. They're just, well, maybe just one or two heaves that were, of course, were unsuccessful unsuccessful back in Super Bowl 42 in 07. But there it was. It was another David Tyree hoisted it up, and it's like, it's over. And yes, it was, ultimately. It was just a foregone conclusion. Patriots' defense had been pretty good most of the day, but they didn't do squat on this drive. Nothing. It was literally in Manning's hands and out of his hands and into the hands of the receiver, one play after another, after that. Eli Manning is immortality, ladies and gentlemen. And he showed it on this drive in such, a way, in such an amazing way. The final drive of the game. Well, final drive for the for the Giants. The one that mattered most. Joe Montana against the <laughs> Cincinnati Bengals in, in 88. Ultimately January 89. But you get the idea. The 88 team, 88 season. That was only 10 and 6. 10 and 6. The 49ers were only 10 and 6 that year. Hmm, but we all knew who they were. They were the 49ers. And I've seen that drive how many times? Replayed. I've seen it. I've watched it. How many times on YouTube? Yeah. Eli Manning right now is the closest thing to Montana. Montana really didn't put up the sexiest numbers ever. You don't hear his name next to Dan Marino's, Brett Favre's, and Peyton Manning's. Dan Marino Brett Favre and Peyton Manning are what they are. They either have one or no Super Bowls, but they have great stats. See? But Joe Montana had four Super Bowls because he was the best. Eli Manning right now is the closest thing to Montana. As much as I'd like to say Tom Brady was and is. Well, he was but now it's, it's, uh, it's shifting over to Eli because he's beaten Tom Brady head-to-head twice now. It was the funniest thing ever, of course, when uh, fire, you know, earth, wind, and fire. Wind is gone. I actually forget who that is now and that's sad. So maybe uh, uh, somebody could call in or post on the Facebook page who Wind was back in uh, 07 but fire, Ahmad Bradshaw earth of course is Brandon Jacobs fire, yep, Ahmad Bradshaw has become the starting running back the past year or two (laughs) they were thinking of, hey, you know there's so much time left and we're in the red zone, let's try to lay down on the one yard line and burn the clock all the way down to like 10 seconds left or 20, whatever, and kick the field goal and walk out of here, hopefully winners leave Tom Brady almost no time left to get her done But no, (laughs) Ahmad Bradshaw was going to do it, and then he just kind of sat backwards into the end zone like, ah, hell with it. Patriots walk on the field, 57 seconds left. Can Tom Brady do exactly what Joe Montana did do back in the 88 team? Because they get the ball in the 20, a touch back on the kickoff. Tom Brady throws perfect passes to his receivers, uh, Hernandez and, and Branch. I think Branch was one of them, and they just dropped it and dropped it and dropped it. The ball was right in wide receiver's hands on multiple occasions in this moment. Perfect passes by Tom Brady were dropped and dropped and dropped and dropped. I believe there were three or four drops in uh, in the final drive. I mean, Brady could have been the Joe Montana. He could have been. It It was very possible. I mean, either one of these guys has Joe Montana capabilities in them, man. But the receiver's Got it done for New York, made the great plays when they mattered, and like Bill Belichick, so tersely, so cantankerously said in his uh, very wordy press conference, yeah, you can sense the sarcasm there. That uh, we just didn't make the big play, we just didn't make enough plays. You betcha, they didn't. <laughs> the Giants caught the ball, the Patriots didn't. The last heave, and these never work, do they? Yeah, like one in a million years they do, but it didn't this time. That was it. Players just were not making plays when they mattered most for the New England Patriots. They just weren't, and they was very Red Sox-like again. Easy passes dropped, horrible penalties at the worst times, and defensive letdowns at the most inopportune times. The Giants ate them alive when the game mattered most. They trailed the game almost the entire second half, actually, until basically the final score. Yeah, they did. They basically, yeah, they trailed the entire second half. They led the whole first half until the final score of the first half, (laughs) but you get the idea. Patriots got their touchdown in the opening drive in the second half, and that was it. They never scored again. They scored 17 points, and that's it. (laughs) Funny how that works, isn't it? But that's football for you. How eerily similar... I mean, it's literally like a book, a script being written and and, and acted upon. It really is. <laughs> and no, that's not, I, that doesn't mean I think there's a conspiracy that it's fixed. It's not fixed. It's just not. But boy, the era of the underdog lives on. We've seen two 10-6 teams win the Super Bowl that were not picked to win any Super Bowl, that's for sure. The Packers, a lot of people could have picked them to lose last year in the first round. A lot of people could have picked the Giants, and, and especially that year in 07, when the Giants looked like a joke, pretty much. The Vikings killed them like 42 17 in, in New York, which never happens. That they go on and win the whole thing with a 10 6 team and what people thought, thought, once thought was a dopey quarterback. People always used to call him Dopey, you know, that he kind of just looked like a Dopey Southern guy, you know. <laughs> and no, no, nothing against Southern guys. I know there's Southern people listening to this show. It's just kind of a, I don't know, they're just goofy. Um, But no, 10-6 and 6 teams. See, the 10-6 49ers, that doesn't count. they' you really think they're underdogs against the Cincinnati freaking Bengals who don't win anything ever? No, they were not underdogs against the Cincinnati Bengals. They were a dynasty that had a ten and six record and still won the Super Bowl. That's what they were. When you see the Packers, the Giants go ten and six with their sixth seed <laughs> and win the championship. A nine and seven New York Giants team who had the fourth seed because they were, you know, they still won the division, you know, you get a home game in the first round. Nine and seven team wins the whole thing. Well, would not have been nice if the nine and seven Minnesota Vikings went, did, did the same thing in, in uh, nineteen eighty seven, ladies and gentlemen. I'm going to tell you this quickly, real quickly. <laughs> it was eerily similar. Or I mean, I mean that possibility was eerily legit <laughs> because you really think the Vikings would have lost to the Broncos in the Super Bowl? The Broncos were terrible <laughs> in Super Bowls back in the eighties. It would not have happened. The Vikings would have won. Darren Nelson couldn't hang on to the pass and force overtime. And Destiny's just not been on the Viking side yet. And we hope and pray that someday it will be. We hope and pray that someday it will be. <laughs> but that's pretty much the game review. Let's get to the post by Chris Tucker. And I'm sorry for holding out on you, buddy. I really am. I just, you know, it just kind of got into the game review. He says, I hear you about the whole Patriots and all that. I hear you, but I would be sick if Pat, if the Pats got another title. Not because they don't deserve it, but come on, <laughs> I want at least one. Yes, I do. See, there you go. That's a, that's a perfect uh, thing. I you know I want one too. The props to the Giants' D line. Those guys just keep coming. It shows if we can get our O line and secondary figured out, our D line can match anyone. I I yeah. I mean it's the O line and the secondary. Chris, you're you're perfect there. Perfect, perfect analogy right there. Um get the O-line and the end, the secondary. Uh, yeah, the two big names, of course, have been, you know, not to get into the State of the Vikings address, but we know who they are. Matt Khalil and Morris Claiborne. Obviously, you're not going to get both unless you do some massive trade-up type of deal, which usually is a mistake because you trade away too many draft picks. But I'm just saying, you know, your top pick is probably going to be one of those two guys. There's still the possibility for Blackman, Blackman, the receiver as well. I mean, it's going to be one of those three, we'll say, but I think, yes. O-line and secondary are paramount to the future of this team right now. Absolutely. The D-line is is very good, yes. Though Kevin Williams has definitely taken a step back, and uh, boy, the other defensive tackle position is a question mark beyond human recognition. But if we have a better secondary, the D-line might look better. Maybe. I I don't know, but usually the D-line playing better and the linebackers makes the secondary look better too. It's kind of like, it's a team thing. I mean, football is the ultimate team sport. The quarterback's not out there making a big stop late in the game. He's not, or is the receiver. It's the secondary. It's not like basketball or baseball or hockey, especially basketball and baseball, though, where Kirby Puckett can hit the home run in Game 6 of the World Series and win it, but he can also make a great catch to prevent a home run as well. See? not like that in football. You don't have Tom Brady making a big stop on a final play of the game. No, he has to sit and watch. He has to count on other people to get the job done. He has to count on his receivers to catch his passes. So it's, it's a, the ultimate team game. You need that secondary to be good for the defensive line to prosper. To, to look better. You need the defensive line to be really good to make the secondary look better. You need both. You need both. But yeah, like as I was saying, two 10 and six teams. Now there's a nine and seven one to win the Super Bowl within the past five years, folks. And it's like, why can't we win one? Why can't we? I mean, it's it proves that we can. We absolutely can. And Chris Tucker's response is all the sweeter when we win, you know, versus seeing all these other teams win. We have many pieces in place, but must get draft and sign one major free agent at either guard. Or would be or wide receiver in the perfect world. Kareel in the first round, Jennings in the second, and sign Vincent Jackson as a free agent. Can happen if we cut Hutch, Cedric, and Cedric Griffin, then move Charlie Johnson to left guard. skull Vikings Nation. So yes, that's been the talker ever since the Vikings offseason Here and we're talking about the O line. Charlie Johnson is a guard. Yeah, and, and he is. Like he was pretty. He was playing out of position the last year and a half, two years with the Colts and Vikings at left tackle Charlie Johnson is not a left tackle, and early on, I didn't really do enough research on it. I'm going to be honest, when we first got Charlie Johnson, I didn't realize that he was a guard because I don't really follow super close to the uh I don't follow so close to the Indianapolis Colts that I know everything about their o line, but other people are pretty obviously they they you know they, uh they know more about it than me at times. I try to be up here and do the best I can. But uh, I'm mostly here to talk Vikings. <laughs> and yeah, I, I do try to keep track of a lot of stuff, but sometimes offensive lines for teams that play out of conference, a little bit tough to keep up with. And uh, yeah, Charlie Johnson is a guard. He's a left guard. That ultimately would be the perfect position for him. Um, <laughs> Sebastian Balls closes things here with, I'm back posting, what a great game, go NYG. Of course, New York Giants. Yeah. I say go Patriots, but hey, go Giants as well. They, they're they very good, and if it wasn't the Patriots, I probably would have cheered for the Giants because I admired them an awful lot, folks. They are the Giant killers. My prediction was correct because I believe so much in the New York Giants. I, I really believe in that team. What did I say way back when it was Packers-Giants in the second round? Because I knew they were going to kick the Falcons' butts. Oh, oh yeah, I knew it. Even though this, this unit hadn't won a home playoff game yet after a disappointing failure against the Eagles with a 13-3 and record in 08, when they were the defending champs, just like the Packers had a disappointing finish in the playoffs, disappointing loss to the Giants in, in 2011 after a Super Bowl championship miracle run type deal. Yeah, I mean, but no, it's like they go into Green Bay, the Giants have a 45% chance of victory here. It's just, yeah, I had to pick the Packers because they were just so damn good this year. They were beating everybody. You had to pick them. You had to. You, you know, you're not going to just brush things with a broad stroke and say, oh, the Giants will win, but if they don't win, ah, the Packers are great. No. I'm saying the Packers are going to win, but the Giants have a legitimate possibility to win, and if they do, they're going to the Super Bowl and going to win. That's experience right there, folks. That's what that's about right there. Not up here to brag. just saying experience Wins in a situation like that. And I said, if anybody, and I mean, and, and, I, and I said only one team, one team can beat the Green Bay Packers, and that's the uh, New York Giants. I did say one other team could maybe pull off the Miracle if they got there to the Super Bowl, and that'd be the Denver Broncos, but that's, that was, yeah, that, <laughs> I said it was mostly, well, it was more likely to be the Giants, and, and, and it was. The Giants are right there, ready to go. The Broncos, that would just be an unprecedented miracle. That would have been really really weird, an 8-8 team winning a championship. (laughs) That would have been a lot like the uh, the Giants and Patriots game when they defeated the undefeated Patriots. The New York Giants absolutely have a mental block on the Patriots, and uh, it's crazy. Patriots, clearly a superior football team on paper and in general, but... uh, the Giants clearly a superior team when it Matt, when the when the team when the uh, when the moment when the when the lights are brightest. They are the superior team when the lights are brightest. And there you go. It's New York and Boston again. The curse of the Bambino, the curse of Eli Manning. <laughs> yeah, we're not going to be too fancy with curse of Bambino talk. The curse of Eli Manning. It is the curse of of. T- <laughs> The curse of the great catches, I guess. I don't know. What more can you say? What more can you say? There it is. Well, thank you guys for listening. We're going to get to the contact details. Again, the, don't forget the call in lines: 209-736-7877. 209-736-7877. It is a voicemail. Do treat it as Sash mentioned, which show you're calling into, which is, of course, Purple Mafia. Thank you so very much to do that. Uh, we'd like you to join the message boards on the sports stuff.com. Would appreciate it also oh very much if you did. They, uh, you simply go to the front page of the website, click TSA, click on the button that says TSS boards, then click uh, register, get your screen name on there, get going, post in those forums. The teams are split up into the, the actual divisions to generate more discussion. Very cool idea by Dylan Richardson. Always like the mindset by Dylan Richardson would like you to join that, would be very, very terrific indeed, Facebook page, and Twitter accounts, facebook.com forward slash purple mafia, twitter.com forward slash purple mafia, like and or follow those respective accounts, if you could, oh, so please, would be terrific, thank you again, well, get your draft opinions ready, get your, uh, (laughs) well, the coaching staff is set, unfortunately, yeah, lame duck coaching staff. Unless something, unless the team improves, but get your yep, get your get your draft uh, opinions ready, get your stadium opinions ready, get your cell phones ready, <laughs> dial up. Get your uh, laptops, cell phones, whatever it is, cell phones to call, but also cell phones to get on the Twitter and or Facebook page. Ladies and gentlemen, the next show will be State of the Vikings twenty twelve. Let's get those opinions out there. Get those free, talk some free agency. Talk anything and everything Vikings. Because, ladies and gentlemen, State of the Vikings Address is next. Until then, this is goodbye for the time being. State of the Vikings Address should be out within a week or two. We'll see. (laughs) If I get absolutely no response, maybe I'll hold out a little bit for you guys to do something. I mean, this is about you out there. I want your opinions, and I want them now. <laughs> Doggone it. Episode 111. Ooh, three ones. Hmm. Could it be a sign? Well, I hope so. A sign that something good will happen someday with the Vikings. I sure hope so. But yeah, yep, get your opinions out there, please. Oh, so please. Until then, take care.